Today's scripture reading is taken from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 through 8. The point is this, the one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each of you must give as you made up, have made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance, so that always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. That's so good. So good. Uh, Pickle pops? Pickle pops. What I did hear from our children is they're not interested in y'all bringing dollar bills, but $100 bills, right? <laughs> I don't know if y'all heard it or not. It was clear as day. It was mic'd. It should have been mic'd. Oh, my gosh. You know, there was a uh, county fair that came through, and there was one of these strong men competitions. You might have seen them, where they can blow up the hot water uh, bottles, and they can rip... Um, Phone books, have you seen those? Well, in this particular case, the strong man took a lemon and started squeezing it, squeezed all the juice out of the lemon, so much so that he turned to the crowd and said, I'll give you $200 to anyone who can come squeeze another drop out of this lemon. Well, a frail older lady hobbled up on the stage. She picked up the lemon. She clamped it between her two feeble and bony hands, and a whole uh, teaspoon worth of lemon juice came out. The crowd was mystified by it. He gave her $200 publicly, and then privately, he said, um, I, I got to know something. What's the secret of your strength? And she said, patience. I served as the church treasurer for 42 years. <laughs> we don't have lemon squeezing around here at First United Methodist Church because, as you just heard, God loves a cheerful giver. Cheerful giver. And our core value speaks of faithful stewardship. Faithful. Not fearful stewardship. Not convenient or comfortable stewardship. Not conditional stewardship. But faithful stewardship. The full core value description says this. We value faithful stewardship of our prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness, we recognize that all are called to the ministry of Christ, and we believe that all we do should be done joyfully to the glory of God, cheerful giving, faithful stewardship. All are called. It should be done joyfully. Too often we think stewardship must only mean money, and that's part, of, that's part of what discipleship is about, sharing our resources. But as you heard, we take the wide approach. It's on our pledge card. We talk about it every year. Uh, we believe that stewardship is prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness. And every time we have new members, which is about weekly, as the pools just came up, we ask them that same question. Will you be loyal to Christ through the local church with your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness. And then we ask you the same question, to renew the covenant, to renew the vows. Say, we will be loyal. We will be loyal. Disciples who love Jesus and who love His bride, the church, and who 
are part of his bride are those who pray and those who show up, those who give, those who serve, and those who witness to God's good news to another human being. So in preparation for this sermon, I've been wrestling with some questions internally. I'm going to lay them down for you to, to wrestle with too. Faithful stewardship, or am I an occasional steward or a conditional steward? What does it take to become a faithful steward? The way I see it, faithful stewardship at its core is it's a matter of trust. It's 100% a matter of, of trust. Your brothers and sisters around you trust that you are being faithful, and you trust that they are too. These children's choirs who have proclaimed the good news of Jesus this morning at both of our services, they are trusting that we are faithful stewards. Our, our youth program, over 114 students at this point going to winter retreat and here consistently each and every week at, at MYF, they're trusting that we trust each other as faithful stewards. Respite is trusting. The music ministry is, is trusting. We're faithful stewards of God's resources. Uh, just this past week, I attended two of the Go to Know events. Uh, many of you know that our staff does that. Uh, once a month, we go to know. How can we be a good neighbor? We have to go to know, right? Uh, those are very quickly turning into go to serve, by the way. We, we're ready to take it to the next step. I'm so excited about that. So the first uh, happened last Tuesday. Uh, we went to Friendship Mission. That's one of our community partners. And Tara Davis is the director at Friendship Mission. And she shared with us uh, the incredible services that they provide to the homeless community. Hot meals, you know, trying to get jobs uh, secured, transportation, shelter, of course, uh, as it is a men and women's shelter. And she said, I, we have needs for volunteers right now. I can't help but think that faithful stewards, when they hear that call, they step up and say, where can I jump in? And then Friday, my Jesus in the Gospels Bible study, 26-week-long study, uh, we visited Ken Austin over at the MAP Center. And Ken shared all the services that they provide, especially to children in the community. And I thought, how befitting that today is Children's Sunday because faithful stewards care for the needs of children within the flock and within the zip code, especially those who are the most vulnerable. Both Tara and Ken stated that without faithful partners like First United Methodist Church, they couldn't do what they do. Because those ministries are where the, the rubber of faithful stewardship meets the road of, of mission. It's, where, it's the intersection of where Jesus can be found. I, sure, we can support all of these ministries individual, individually, but that's not biblically-based stewardship, to be clear. And we talked about being a biblically-focused church. Uh, we talked about how so many texts require interpretation, but more often than not, the biblical texts, they simply require application, and this is one of them. To be a biblically-focused, faithful, stewardship-driven uh, church, we believe that that happens through the local faith community, not individually, that we're better together that we hold our resources in common, as Lucas was saying, the $100 bills and the $1 bills, but the $100 bills especially, that we are stronger with those bonds than if we try to do this or that on our own. We, we believe that there's something miraculous, that the miracle uh, about which we read in all four Gospels continues to happen when we share our little bit of loaves and fish and place it in the hands of, of the Master and present it to God in the most doxological way. And those are multiplied to, to do more than we could ever ask or imagine on our own. 
The early church in Acts demanded that the disciples hold all things in common. They demanded it, so much so that those who didn't hold all things in common, they, they were struck down dead. You remember that? We don't do that, nor do we lemon squeeze. Faithful stewards, they don't allow fear and unrest to be a blockade from people receiving the blessing that the church is asked to share by being faithful stewards. So are you an occasional steward, conditional steward, faithful steward? Stewardship is, is so inextricably linked to discipleship. Stewardship and discipleship, those are really big churchy words. They're intimidating, and we work with prospective members. We walk through what we mean by those terms. And for our seasoned Christians, I know, they elicit eye rolls and deaf ears, right? You hear stewardship, you think we're talking about money. You hear discipleship, J Pastor Jay's about to ask us to do something. I, I get it, right? But I lay these two words in, in front of us today because as your spiritual doctor, I want to know how things are with your soul. That's my responsibility to you. Your stewardship tells me about your discipleship, which tells me about your love for Jesus and His bride, the church. So how is it with your soul? Have you ever asked that question? Do you know that question? How is it with your soul? John Wesley asked that of early Methodists every day, every time they met. Maybe we should hook it into the call to worship. <laughs> I don't know. How is it with your soul? Or after the passing of the peace, the peace of Christ be with you. How is it with your soul? How is it? with your soul. How is it with your soul? The diagnosis of one's soul is measured by one's stewardship. Do you hear me? We've talked about two core values up till now, biblically focused spiritual growth and, and Christian community, and, and the progression of these core values works like this. If we are to continue being a biblically focused church, which we are and will, and we value authentic Christian community, which we do, where we do life together, then the outward sign of an adherence to being a biblically focused church committed to Christian community happens through our faithful stewardship. It's an outward and visible sign of, of God's joyful work that's happening in our hearts. One cannot say the Bible is authoritative and not practice faithful stewardship. One cannot fully experience the joy of Christian community without being a faithful steward. Or, or to put it more bluntly, as one said, you cannot claim to be a Christian and not practice faithful stewardship. So from our third core value, our newest members, our lifelong members, need to hear this next part. Our, the second sentence in our third core value says, all are called to the ministry of Christ. Not some, not a select few, not a particular group, not only the clergy. If you have been baptized, you have been called, and you are needed, and you are expected to be all in with faithful stewardship, not for obligatory purposes, but so that you can experience the joy of the Holy Spirit working through your life, the power, the channel of God working through you. And me, how is it with your soul? Do you trust that God is working something quite special here in our local church? I do. If you want to get completely down where it gets gritty, this third core value is, is a matter of trust. 
And that's what the word means. It, we have been entrusted with something that does not belong to us, and we are tasked with uh, the question, what will you do about it? How will you share it? With whom? To what extent? To what degree? You know, If you've been baptized, you are a trustee of heaven. How about that? You're on the board of trustees for heaven. How about that? It's kind of like Jesus 2,000 years ago was entrusted with the same thing. And as Paul says, he did not exist in the form of God. He existed in the form of God, not, uh, did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped or squeezed like a lemon. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, assuming human likeness. And he, being found in the appearance of a human, he humbled himself and he became obedient to death, even death on a, on a cross. As trustees of heaven, do we trust that Christ is, you know, has emptied himself out in that most beautiful, um, extravagant, generous way, and that's sufficient enough for salvation? And all we are asked to do in return is to empty ourselves out as the body of Christ on this earth so that someone else has a little bit of hope, food at night, so our children can start singing the faith, Somebody has cover over his or her head. Jesus was entrusted with heaven on this earth, and he had every opportunity to wield power in a different way. If you think about it, he could have made grace so conditional by asking us, you know, I need you to check all the boxes. I need you to get life all squared away, your theology, you know, do this, do that. But he didn't do that. He just lavishly sowed seeds of grace. He could have built an empire, but he washed feet. He could have divided his 12 disciples into like-minded factions, but do you know one of the final prayers to cross Jesus' lips? Just before he died, he said, Father, I pray that, that my disciples would be one as we are one. The Trinity is one. That there can be unity and diversity can exist together. Jesus models faithful stewardship. He could have held back a little prayer, a little presence, a little gifts, a little service, but he didn't. Why? Because that's the cost of discipleship. How is it with your soul? You know, the thing is, to know what it means to be full, one has to be empty. In order to know what it, it, it's like to be alive, one has to die to oneself. As Scripture tells us, in order to, to be clothed in humility and righteousness, we, we've got to shed some layers first. Ego, pride, control, a lemon-squeezing kind of grip. Jesus gave up the whole throne of heaven. He resisted the power and control that the kingdoms of this world tempted him with. Why? Because God had entrusted him with grace to love people, to see people, to set boundaries and then to push against those boundaries, to walk through life's broken places with life's broken people, but not to allow them to break others and to convey that, that bricks and mortar and, my, and all the things that we, we amass for ourselves, they do not last. The bottom of this historic Court Street pulpit says, faith, hope, and love or charity. Those remain. The greatest of these is what? Love. That's what lasts. So if Jesus was the model of faithful stewardship, and if we believe we read in Scripture you know, as our authoritative guide, how is it with your soul today? What's your diagnosis? 
We don't squeeze lemons around here. We squeeze hands. We squeeze hands when we fold them and are courageous enough to say, Lord, we need peace in this world. We need peace in this church. We need peace in this community. But we, we squeeze hands when we pray, let that peace begin within me first. We don't squeeze lemons. We squeeze hands. We squeeze the hands of the ones seated around us and, and somehow in the shaking and squeezing of hands and, and, and the pats on the back and the hug, somehow we remember that we're not alone in this world and somebody here today needs to hear that. We squeeze together our financial resources because together we can do so much more than we can if we divide from one another. We squeeze the hands of those with whom we serve because solidarity matters, especially in the wake of a storm. And, and we do bucket brigades on mission trips it's hard work, but it's holy work because we know that people are hungry and tired and cold and lonely and they depend on us squeezing the hands of the person next to us. And I don't know if you've ever done this as a witness to your, your faith, the fifth part of the, the membership vows, but I don't know if you've ever taken the hands of another human being and said, you matter to God. and You matter to this church. We squeeze hands. We get to choose how to hold our resources tightly or, or lightly. Barbara Brown Taylor says, hold it lightly. She says this, take, take what you have, whatever you have, take it into your hands and hold it lightly, very lightly, and then bless it. And thank God for what you have and make it holy by giving it away for love. And then break it, sorry, but you have to tear it up to share it. There's no way to keep it all in one nice piece. And finally, give it to whomever is standing in front of you or beside you, spread it around, and, and never mind that there might not be enough for everyone. Just give and give and give. John Wesley, as you know, said a lot about money, particularly, particularly later in his life. He was worried that, that money and wealth and, and resources were, were going to be the demise of, of the movement called Methodist. There's a wonderful uh, sermon on that I'll share with you uh, on our link this coming week, but in that sermon, he famously said, you know, earn all you can. Save all that you can. What's the third part? Give all that you can. We like one and two, don't we? Earn all you can. Save all you can. Give all the prayers that you can. Give all of your time that you can by showing up. The person around you depends on it. Give all the resources, financial resources you can because multiplied in the hands of the master, oh, they just go so far. Give all you can with blood and, and sweat and maybe not blood. Give all you can in sharing the good news through your witness. I, I was thinking about one final story. There's the story of the controversial cookies. Um, there was a traveler in between flights at an, at an airport and she went to you know, the lounge and, and picked up some, some cookies, you know, um, chocolate chip cookies, the little small ones. And she sat down and she started reading the newspaper and, and then she started hearing this rustling noise and didn't know what it was. So from behind her paper, she was flabbergasted. She turned around and like, this, this man was neatly dressed and he was helping himself to her cookies. <laughs> and it, she didn't want to make a scene, so she just leaned over and took one of the cookies for herself. And a minute or two passed, and there, and there was some more rustling, and he was helping himself to another cookie. And 
After a while, they came to the end of the package with only one cookie left, and he had the audacity to break the cookie and give her half and keep the other half. He, she was so mortified, fuming. And then her flight was announced, and she got up and left, and as she was looking for her ticket, she opened up her bag there and saw, to her shock and embarrassment, the package of her own unopened cookies. Oh, what is yours belongs to God who shares so generously despite our best efforts to claim heaven's cookies for ourselves and as our own. So tightly or lightly, you are blessed to bless others. Will we do it occasionally, conveniently, conditionally, faithfully? Martin Luther said, when you, you sing, you pray twice, so I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to turn in your hymnal to our closing hymn, which is number 399. And before we sing the words of this familiar hymn, we're going to speak the words of this hymn as a prayer. 399, Let's, we're going to read all three verses. Let's worship God as we pray together. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of Thy love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for Thee. Take my voice and let me sing, always only for my King. Take my lips and let them be filled with messages from thee. Take my silver and my gold, not a mite would I withhold. Take my intellect and use every power as thou shalt choose. Take my will and make it thine. It shall be no longer mine. Take my heart, it is thine own. It shall be thy royal throne. Take my love, my Lord, I pour at thy feet its treasure store. Take myself, and I will be ever only all for thee. To the glory of God. Amen.